This episode of Your Catholic Life is brought to you by Iowa Catholic Radio, connecting listeners with Christ, iowacatholicradio.com, and everywhere you are on the free Iowa Catholic Radio app. Welcome in, everyone, to Your Catholic Life, a podcast for Catholics by Catholics, helping you grow in your faith. I'm John Leonetti, your host. I was looking forward to this. First Cardinal on the show. And the conversation was like I was talking to a friend. I'll tell you, this is how you evangelize. Joy, passion, you can't fake it. And the time is now. Look, here in the West, there's no other time to evangelize than right now to witness to our Catholic faith and to try and bring as many people with us along the way. This man, Thomas Cardinal Collins, knows how. Had a lot of fun with this interview, friends. Wait until the end. Let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Cardinal Collins, Archbishop of Toronto. Hello, Your Eminence. Hello there. Great. Glad to be on your show. Have you ever been to Iowa? I've never been to Iowa, no. Never been to Iowa. Never. All right. Well, what's your, what's your favorite kind of food? Because we got it all here. <laughs> I don't know. My favorite food... Oh, I don't know. I like donuts. Donuts. Uh, oh, we got good donuts. I shops like here. Uh, scalloped potatoes. Yep, That's yep. my one of my favorites. Well, it's it's farm food here. I mean, we we oh, do it good. better than anything else. All right, <laughs> oh, here great. in Iowa, John Paul II, when he came, uh, 1979, I, I think he enjoyed it as well. So wonderful. All right, so let's let's get after it here. Uh, take me back. Uh, Your Eminence, I love hearing about, you know, when bishops get the the phone calls that they were uh, being appointed by the Pope to become a bishop. But I I have never been able to ask the question to a cardinal. So Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, does he give you a call? Does he send you a letter? How do you hear that you've been chosen to become a cardinal? Well, I was actually, I was in Washington. Uh, I was on a committee uh, doing editing of liturgical texts. And I was at the, uh, we finished a bit early that day, so I went back to the place where we were staying, like kind of a hotel or a club, and um, I noticed there was a flashing light on the telephone in my room. So I, I called, and it was a message from the, the nuncio's office in Ottawa. Hmm. So I phoned from the capital of the United States to the capital of Canada. <laughs> I, I said, hello, what, what do you want? And it wasn't actually the nuncio, it was his assistant said, well, Pope Benedict's going to name you a cardinal tomorrow morning. And wow. Six o'clock in our time, noon at their time. So I said, "Oh, oh my!" So, do you get a choice in this now? No, no, <laughs> not at all. In fact, nowadays they have less notice. Really? From what I've heard, they don't give any notice at all. Oh my goodness! So you so wake up and you hear just it. sort of uh, you know look in the newspaper and say, "Oh, I've made a cardinal." That is incredible. <laughs> um, do you call your family? Who do you call? Mom, dad? Oh yeah, well that's right. I phoned. Uh, I checked with my my sisters, uh, and uh, and then I immediately uh, got. Uh, a plane right back to Canada because I was out of the country. I knew the very next day there would be a need to be dealing with the media, so I immediately got the first flight I could get uh, back from Washington to Toronto. Are you nervous when the Pope's putting that red hat on you? Well, uh, I don't know. By that time, the shock has kind of worn <laughs> off. I was, um, you know, mainly the main nervousness I was feeling on that occasion is my I, my eyes weren't too good at that time. I've since had an operation to help them, and I was just worried about wor- tripping down the steps. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that, oh. that wouldn't look too, no, uh, too that wouldn't good, look would it fun. be? I'll tell you. Not the best way. No. Uh, you grew up in Ontario, and do I have this right? And it was your English teacher that inspired you to become a priest. That's right. I was at a, what, at a high school, uh, Bishop McDonald High School in Guelph, Ontario, which is sort of about an hour or so west of Toronto. And uh, Father John Newstead was an associate pastor at our parish, and he also taught at the local Catholic high school. 
And so uh, he was a great inspiration for me in my life, both uh, in the priesthood and also he got me interested in English literature. So I, I also did an MA in English later on. Hmm. He's a great man. And so was it was it just his example? Did he invite you into, hey, you need to consider this? Well, actually, all of that. He was a very joyful kind of a guy. And also, I was really impressed that every afternoon around 4 o'clock or so, he'd go to the local hospital and he'd visit the sick hmm. every single day. And I thought, wow, that's something. That's really something. And then when I was in grade 11, he called me aside and said, you know, Tom, you should think about becoming a priest. Hmm. So it was all of that. <laughs> he did ask me, but he also... Because of his uh, example, that really impressed me. Were you immersed in this? Did you grow up with this, with mom and dad? I mean, obviously they were hardworking folks from what I've read, but was this was this something that, you know, every Sunday you're there at Mass? Oh, yeah. we we I grew up in a very much of a practicing, you know, Catholic family. Mm-hmm. But uh, there were no, let's say, no relatives close to me uh, at all who were priests. And I didn't really, uh, it was the example of the priests in my parish is what really got me thinking about the priesthood. Father Newstead, certainly, but also Father Noonan, who was you know, an older priest. Now, he's probably about 10 years, 20 years younger than I am right now when, sure. when, I, when I do him when I was a kid. But he seemed like a very old and wise priest. And, and I, I was really impressed by the priests in my parish. It seems to me, at least when I talk to seminarians uh, today, and even you know, younger priests, it was because of that one priest or that one uh, you know, deacon that inspired them just to think about it. You know, it wasn't an ad that they saw. It, wasn't any of that. it was just that one person that just set that example and called them into it. Well, I think that's very true. In fact, I actually tested that out in a kind of an unscientific way. Many, many years ago, before I was a bishop, I was the rector of a seminary in, in Ontario, and I, I, there were about 50, 60, maybe 50 seminarians at that time. And I, I asked them, what, here are some things. What in, influenced you to come here? And I gave several possibilities, like uh, influenced by the example of a priest. And I think about 45 of the 50 wow. said that. And uh, vocation literature, zero. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, this is it. it it's that, you know, experience. Uh, an encounter with with someone that shows and really lives that out. So you became a priest. Eventually, St. John Paul II, of course, appointed you to be bishop. And I'm really struck with your Episcopal model here. Just simple. Worship God. What inspired it? Well, that came from, uh, I was sent away by my bishop to do, uh, well, first of all, to do the licentiate in Scripture in Rome, and then a doctorate at the Gregorian University in Rome. And uh, to, so I could help be helped in teaching at the seminary I was assigned to. And I did my doctorate on Apocalypse chapter 22, verses 6 to 21, hmm. the very last words of the Bible, the last section. And in that, um, there is a, a point, which is actually a repetition of something earlier, where St. John sort of drops to his knees and starts adoring the angel who's hmm. showing all these visions to him. And in chapter 22, verse 9, the angel says to him, No, 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 Deum Ador, worship God, don't worship me. In other words, get your priorities straight. Wow and only focus on worshiping God. I think if we if we focus our life on that, everything else kind of falls into place. Were you always struck with Revelation? Because I saw you specialized in it. I did, and I've, I've always loved the book, because it's part of my kind of literary thing, too. I've always liked poetry and, and uh, you know, literature and stuff, uh, Tolkien and Lord of the Rings and all that. And so the book of Revelation is just stunningly beautiful. Yeah. But it turned out I was actually, I was going to do a doctorate on First Peter, and I, I got in touch with the priest I thought could help me with that, and he wasn't available. So I thought, well, you know, I always loved Revelation. So I called Father Ugo Vanni, who was a, a Jesuit at, a professor at the at the Gregorian, and I asked him if he could take me on, and he did. So I, I 
did the book that he's the expert on, so I did the Apocalypse. As a bishop, you're, you're a teacher, and this is really what you've been called to do primarily in the life of the Church, but who teaches, who teaches a cardinal? Where do you go to get fed in your spiritual life? Well, I think it's the same with any Christian or you know, deacon, priest, religious, bishop, or whatever. You really need to be rooted in your own life of prayer. And I've been very influenced in my own life ever since I was a teenager by Bishop Sheen. Mm. And um, in fact, interestingly, I've, uh, I'll be going in next week to his former diocese of Rochester sure. to give a talk with the priest on reading the Bible. And I'm going to be on Lectio Divina. And uh, so I'm very, making a holy hour every day is very, very valuable. But I, I just think you have to have that uh, sort of center. Um, you know, the faster the wheel is spinning, the more the hub has got to be secure. And that hub and center has got to be a life of prayer. So no matter what, you know, uh, and Bishop Sheen used to say, I think, if you, if, uh, you don't have time to spend an hour in prayer, if you're a priest, spend two hours. You know? Now, and in fact, I was going to talk about this, because that's one of the things you were going to be uh, speaking of when you come here to the Christ Our Life Catholic Conference. It's Lexio Divina. It plays a very special role in your heart. For, for those listeners that maybe don't know what that is, what is it? Well, it, it theoretically means divine reading, but what it, what it really is is a, it's not study of Scripture. It's, it's a praying the Word of God. And it's a very old tradition of the Church, and it basically means uh, taking a very small portion of uh, the Bible, reading it aloud, uh, letting it sink deep within you. So not like covering a whole book of the Bible or something, just, just a little bit, and just stop, read it, repeat it aloud again. And this can be done privately. It's, that's a long tradition of 2,000 years of doing that. But I also do it every month. Um, I do it in my cathedral. I've been doing that for about 18 years now both in my previous diocese of Edmonton and now in Toronto. And uh, it's on YouTube and stuff like that. I just, I do, we pray the liturgy, the hours of Vespers. Then I just come out, take out a Bible, and read aloud a passage, maybe 10, 15 verses, and then just read the first verse and read it again, have a little silence, say, think of a few thoughts of prayer about it, and have a lot of time for people to meditate on it. So that's a slow um meditative reading of the Word of God in the spirit of prayer. Cardinal Thomas Collins is my guest of Toronto. What do you say to Catholics that say, now, I, I'm intimidated by the Bible. I don't know where to start. What, how do you instruct them? Well, I think there are a lot of helps we have in dealing with, uh, you know, difficulties in the Bible. But I would say start with the Gospels. Um, you can't go wrong with that. And then we go deeper and deeper into them. Some books of the Bible, like the Apocalypse, the book of Revelation that I mentioned, I would not recommend starting with unless you have a very good commentary, because it's possible in reading them, if you don't understand the kind of writing it is, to get very confused. But um, something like these, but I think I highly recommend reading them if you do have the proper preparation. But the heart of our Bible, uh, appreciation of the Bible, we stand for the Gospel, we sit for everything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I would recommend reading the Gospel. You take your pick, you know, but um, you might want to try, I would suggest, you know, four quarters of the year, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew gives us the teachings. Mark gives us the action. Luke gives us the warmth and the personal intimacy with Jesus. And John gives us the majestic vision. So, um, you know, maybe the shortest one is Mark. So maybe start with that, and the earliest, too. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the Church here in the West. Uh, you know, most every study, and I'm sure you're well aware of this, that at least I read right now, it does not paint a very positive picture of growth for the Church. For instance, you know, here in America, I was reading the other day, 20% of Catholics practice, and in just 10 years, they're saying that number goes down to 8. Uh, how do we as a Church respond to this, or how do we overcome this? 
Well, I don't know. I think we have to. Um, we can. One method is absolutely foolish, and that is try to um, see what people want and see if we can kind of run after them. Um, you know, if they don't like a doctor or something, throw it. You know, they always say if you throw a doctor out the window, people don't come through the mm-hmm. doors. Mm-hmm. If you look at places where the church is booming, where people are drawn to Christ. Um, they're the places which have the most fervent and strong commitment to Christ our Lord and a very, you might say, strict vision of his, of his message and of the gospel. Those places which try to kind of accommodate and, uh, you know, uh, they always say if you marry the spirit of the times, you're a widow or widower tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, those that do that, and there are parts of the church, which I won't name, that are very much like that and have a fair bit of influence on the whole church, I'm afraid, they're um, they're going down the tube, you know. Sure, sure. So where you want, I'd say we should learn from the places where the church is strong, and I would say places like some parts of Asia, certainly Africa. I think one of the most profound spiritual teachers we have in the church today is Cardinal Robert Sara, mm-hmm. and uh, he is simply profound, and he's dealt with all kinds of suffering. He dealt with uh, dictatorship back in his home home country. Uh, when he was named a bishop, his predecessor was in, in prison being tortured, you know. Mm-hmm. So this is the real world, and out of that we get um, we can get a profound faith. So I think generally, if you look at the religious communities, they're doing well, they seem to be attracting. It, it's not by uh, watering things down to make it appealing. It is by proclaiming Christ crucified. You know, I've That's always said, it. I've always said, Colonel, I, I, I'm all in with the church. I don't have enough energy to battle the church. I mean, I, I got enough to battle myself in the world here. True. You know, I mean, I just, I don't. And, and I think this is what, and you said, I, I especially see this amongst young Catholics today. They want it all. Are you, are you inspired yeah. by the young church? I mean, really, the ones that are that are fervent about the faith. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think we start with that and then we move outward. Like, I have a little sort of a thing we're doing with our, our diocese here. Care for the gathered, reach out to the scattered. Mm. And the gathered will reach out to the scattered. Those who already are strong in their faith, make them stronger. Give them, feed them with life, you know. Um, live the faith to the full, the sacraments, the Word of God, yeah. the teachings of the Church. When we have that, and when people are on fire, then they attract others. Uh, what we need to do. And it comes down to prayer, uh, the Word, and sacrament. You know, it's a... When I became a bishop years ago, um, 21 years ago now, oh my, I, I picked you, you get a little logo you pick, a crest or something. So I had a gold cross with a red background, which is sort of like the seminary I came from. But then I had Alpha, Omega, Bible, and Chalice, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ and Word and Sacrament. De Amadora, worship God. And the rest will take care of itself. But you've got to get to the basics, and those are the basics. All right, have a little fun with me, these last few questions. You ready? Okay. All right, besides Pope Francis and Pope Benedict, because they're both alive... Your favorite pope of all time? Oh dear, that's difficult. Probably um, hmm, Leo the Thirteenth. Hmm. Any any particular reason? He's just a great, great, great man. But there's so many good ones, like obviously John Paul right. and uh, uh, Pope Pius X, a very holy man. But I think Leo the Thirteenth. Maybe because I, when I was a little boy, I had this old. I was just rooting around in my my family's uh, some books. I saw a thing put out around. I think around the time of his death about him, and I read it early on, and I. He was a brilliant man, and he also was a very holy man, and he gave us intellectual ammunition to deal with the modern world, and we need that. The head and the heart and the hands have all got to go together. If we forget any one of those three, we're in deep trouble. I think you're right. Favorite book? You get one, besides the Bible. Oh, my favorite book. <laughs> I don't know. Not going easy on you. Oh, this is really tough. Uh <laughs> 
I I just I just read I read all the time. I ever since I was a little kid, I just read read read. Yeah. I don't know whether I have any favorite book. I read a lot of biographies. Yeah. Um, the Lord of the Rings certainly is. The more and more I'm seeing how it is so prophetic. I mean, he Tolkien knew what he was talking about. Sure. Also, the poetry of Gerard Manley Hopkins. He really knew what he was doing. And I, I really love Old English and Middle English. I, that's what I did my studies in. And uh, so I think stuff. There's a poem called "The Dream of the Rood" or "The Dream of the Cross," which, in many ways, but of course, the other thing is the Divine Comedy. Mm. I've been reading that for years and years. I remember going through John Chiardi's translation when I was a teenager. It's just beautiful. So I guess of all of them, maybe um, the Divine Comedy is about the. It's the greatest poem ever. It is based on the greatest theologian, which is Thomas Aquinas. Favorite saint? Oh, um, I think Francis de Sales. Mm. Because he was a, he believed he really was effective through clarity and charity. Uh, he was clear and he was loving. And uh, his book on introduction to devout life is wonderful. But even more is this book about him by his friend Bishop Camus, who was a bit of an odd character. Sure, <laughs> you know, very odd. But but he wrote a lot about his friend Francis. And so um, Francis de Sales was a very, and Charles Borromeo. Um, and John Fisher. Oh, mm. oh, they're so good. There's so many here. Oh, gosh. Well, actually, it's interesting. I had a sort of a chance to make answer your question, because, you know, when you're the bishop of a diocese, you eventually got to get an official portrait done. So sure. I had two of them done, one for the chancery, one, or one for the cathedral, or actually one for the seminary. So I'm standing there with my robes on and everything. And so in the one for downstairs here where I am in my, the rectory of the cathedral where I live, I have, I'm standing there, and I've got a picture of St. John Fisher. Wow. And I have uh, a statue of St. Francis de Sales on a little thing. And then out at the seminary, I have, uh, there's a little crest, and then there's a statue, a little head of uh, Dante, and a picture of John Vianney, mm. patron saint of parish priest. So those are all ones that My I, goodness. I like. Augustine or Aquinas? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's good <laughs> i love the both you know and, you know they're closer than the people think you know uh, it's sort of like the heart and the head but really they're both if you look at the like take a think someone like aquinas who yeah. so, so crystal clear in his intellectual stuff who wrote this exquisite poetry from the heart about the blessed sacrament sure and uh but that whole thing of uh you know, of of, uh, of Augustine, late have I loved you, beauty ever ancient, ever new. Mm-hmm. Late have I loved you. You know, mm-hmm. you were then and I without, and without I sought you. We've got great saints, and a lot of them are around today, too. There are a lot of very holy people. Uh, I'm always inspired by the, like, the, the people look around. You know, like the, the priests in my diocese, the seminarians, the lay people. Uh, sure. Just today, I got a letter from a high school student talking about a parishioner in his parish. Really? who uh, had been in charge of the music, who's very ill now. And so this, it's this incredibly eloquent letter from this grade 11 student just telling me about this, this man who is a layman of the parish, who's influenced him so much as so many others. He's dying now, and he, is very, he helped with the music in this parish. He touched the hearts of so many. i just reading this two-page letter. I thought, oh, my gosh, here's somebody. Like, I had no idea about who this person was. And this, this teenager is writing to his bishop about this per- fellow parishioner wow. who's dying. And just, it's like a saint. Oh, my, I'm, I'm just, I'm in awe. <laughs> I, you know what, and I, I truly believe this, too, uh, Cardinal, that you, and you mentioned this, that the saints' lives, evangelizing them, I think they are the best tool we have to in evangelization. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's, the, it's person heart-to-heart. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Francis of Sales said, and I think about preaching, 
said, lips speak to the ears, but heart speaks to heart. And that's what Newman said as well. It's the influence of personal influence. Um, and like in all of us, we, we are where we are. We've been affected by people. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh, in reading the lives of the saints is very encouraging. And the, the people we meet. You know, like I think of my father, who was, he had terrible illness for the last 15 years of his life. Just the patience with which he dealt with it, it's just astonishing, you know. And I think of my mother going out to work and to help uh, when my dad got sick, you know, and my sisters helping out, and gosh, you know, this example of good, faithful people, this is so beautiful. This is your last one. Here we go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? Luke. Really? Now, you shocked me there. I thought you were going John. Well, John is good. John is beautiful and yeah. profound, you know. But I get a little confused with I'm and you and you're and me. I, sure. I, you got to have a good stiff cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> so I, I find Luke. Uh, Luke is the warmest of the Gospels. Mark is the most dramatic. Mm. Matthew is the most full of information and teaching. It's very rich. John is spectacular and poetic, majestic. But Luke, it's heart to heart. And I, I find, uh, I think of, of all four, I like I'm going to read them all, but I mean, I think Luke's gospel sort of is, touches the heart the most. You're an inspiring man. I, I can't thank you enough. You're, you're, you're just a down-to-earth, you're a real guy. It comes, it comes through so well, and I, I'm so excited. I, I'll be emceeing the conference. So oh, is that right? Okay. I'll be up there with you, well, and I can't I, wait to listen. I'm looking to be for it. I've never been there to Des Moines, and... Uh, I'm going to be, I'm being, I've never been to Iowa before, so I'm going to fly in that. I, I'll be coming off of a, of another kind of conference, a Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops, so I'll be uh, <laughs> days of meetings. So sure. if I look a little groggy, that's why. Listen, but you'll have fun. I'll, I might even be able to get a, a cut out of the conference early, the, the, the Bishops' Conference, to get to your conference. Well, so we, we just can't wait to have you here to and it. welcome you here to Iowa. God bless you. Okay, uh, His Eminence, uh, Cardinal Thomas Collins, everyone. So there you have it, friends. That answer to Aquinas and Augustine. Yes, that was hilarious. Again, it's obvious, a man with an infectious joy and passion for the gospel. Yes, yes, I understand, he's a cardinal. But that joy and passion for our faith can be lived as well. By the way, mark your calendars. If you're in the Midwest, hey, if you want to fly from outside as well, ChristOurLifeIowa.com, September 29th and 30th, 2018. Oh, oh, and by the way, Bishop Barron will be there as well. Hope to see you there. Friends, make sure to share this and other episodes of Your Catholic Life on Facebook and Twitter, inviting your friends to take part in the show. Thanks for tuning in today. I'm John Linetti, friends, signing off here on Your Catholic Life. Remember, the only way to happiness is by holiness. Be confident in Christ's mercy and his love today.